Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes, season eight, episode one. Now we didn't talk about this. You just bumped <laughs> a season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Andy Balam, and this is Andy Cockerell, who is surprised we're on season eight. And I've done I'm all that in the are. wrong order. It's I'm been so are. long. I've forgotten how we do this. We've, we haven't, been, haven't done one of these since July, I think. Right, 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 right. Because right. we've both well, been on holiday uh, a couple of times, and then, well, you know, life. Yeah. But we're back, listener. We're, we're finally back, thank goodness, yes. for you. <laughs> yes. And for us. And for and, us. And so the movie that we're talking about this evening is... Proxima. Proxima. And based on no not having seen or heard of the film in any way, actually I'm pretty sure I know exactly what type of film this is. So let me okay. let me do this for real. Yeah, go on then. Based on their information, I would say it contains um the person who's always in the films that we uh review. <laughs> who's that? Um Oh uh, uh I don't know. <laughs> Uh, she's normally playing like a robot who turns out... That Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. And it's about a trip to Proxima Centauri. Uh, there's lots of um, space scenes. Uh, they're, they're crammed in a spaceship for a long time. Uh, and then... Um, I've forgotten her name. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson uh, turns out to be an evil robot and eats them. Eats them? But yeah. she's a robot. She doesn't. Anyway, no, it's not yeah, that it's, film. The <laughs> robots need to need human flesh to power their fuel cells. That, I mean, that's a script right there. Robots <laughs> need human flesh to power their fuel cells. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Slash get involved. Uh, okay, so it's not that film. However, oh. as as is very often the case, <laughs> I would pay money to go and see that. Okay. Okay. Is it like a bit like that? No. Oh, good. Okay. In no. that case, that was that was an experiment that paid off for me. Actually, not a, not to in do the least bit like that. However, <laughs> I do have, as in keeping with um, a lot of pods this year, uh, I have some any, any other business. Some sad news. It's the regular death news. Yeah, it is sad news. Um, so, uh, a director of one of the films, actually one of the films that nearly made our top thirty horror movies of the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Alan Parker, who directed... Oh, sorry, Sir Alan Parker, CBE, to give him his full title, mm-hmm. um, who directed Angel Heart, among many other things. He very sadly died at the end of July. He was only 76, which is, you know, not old at all. Um, he was probably best known for directing movies like Bugsy Malone, which is oh, really classic. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Fame. Uh, Pink Floyd, well, The Wall. Fa- is that Fame, the movie? Yes. Yeah, the movie. Uh, which I've never seen, but I've heard is very good. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen it. I, um, I was a big fan of the TV series. Were you? I never watched it. Yeah. Was it, is it good? No, no, it's awful. Oh, it's awful. Okay, so sorry, that was just so <laughs> deadpan that I didn't... No, no, I was. That. I was a huge fan of it. But it was awful. But I now think that it was almost certainly awful. I mean, I haven't seen it for a long time, but okay. So I think the, I have the no um, desire to. I think the two thousands version of that is probably Glee, which I enjoyed right. for the first couple of seasons, and then it became a bit form, became a bit formularic. But right. The first two seasons are actually quite fun, of uh, of Glee. Um, okay. He also directed Evita, but we won't hold that against him. 
Um, <laughs> With Madonna? Uh, and, uh, yeah, God, it's terrible. Oh, it's so I bad. I've seen it. So bad. I'm at, when, I, when I saw it, I've only seen it once. I resisted watching it for a long time. <laughs> but when I watched it, I just kept thinking I would have loved to have seen what Oliver Stone would have done with this. Because <laughs> he was he was attached to it for quite a long time. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it would That's have been surprising. more mad, I think. Yeah. More political. Right. And have more lies in it, I should think. Right. Um, but yeah, Evita's not a great film. But two great ones are uh, Midnight Express harrowing story of um an american man who got uh thrown in a turkish prison for drug smuggling and the sort of brutality and horror okay. that he finds there is it's pretty grim but it's beautifully made film mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. quite downbeat also mississippi burning with uh willem dafoe gene hackman well actually i might be getting my casting wrong there but that's that's a good one as well hmm. so that's about a couple of white I think they're either policemen or FBI agents in Mississippi trying to track down some folks who, some KKK type folks, and all the stuff and the politics and the racism that they encounter there. That's a good film. Right. That's really very very political. Um. But yes, also Angel Heart. And his last movie was a movie called The Life of David Gale, which I've not seen, but um. Remind me about Angel Heart. Uh, Angel Heart is the one with Mickey Rourke. Oh, is it um like a mystery story where yes. it turns out to be? Um, it turns like out to be him. more fantasy-ish. <laughs> yes, right, yeah. And then he watched it last night, but we watched. Um, we've been going through some sort of eighties and nineties films at home because there's not uh-huh. a lot of new stuff around. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of new stuff around on disc at the moment. But so we watched um, Dangerous Liaisons last night. Oh wow! Which was so so good. Oh, it's such a great film. Yeah, it's ages since I've watched that. And I'd forgotten about. I think maybe maybe the whole the the, the whole um the subtlety of John Malkovich's character falling in love with Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and then yeah. he's forced to then break it off, and the pain that it causes him is yeah quite profound. Yeah, he's not forced. Well, he he is forced he, because he she, decides because, he has no. Well, yeah, choice. but he doesn't do it out of choice. He does it because he wants he to get like back it. with his um, ex. Yeah, he doesn't like doing it. I totally agree. But and then I, when I think, when he does it, she doesn't take him back. Yeah, you know, proving that she's far more capable at uh, deception than he is. Yeah, yeah, such a good film. It's so well made, it's and great. Um, some I love very young. People like Uma Thurman, Peter Capaldi is in it, really, as, as John Malkovich's um, butler type person. Oh, right. And a really young Keanu Reeves, <laughs> who just looks oh, yeah. about twelve years old. <laughs> as the as the kind of silly silly boy character. He's a music teacher who becomes Glenn Close's lover. Ah, oh, and he has yeah. a duel with John Malkovich at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I've totally forgotten that. All these young, all these people just looking incredibly young. <laughs> what a great film. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, anyway, back to, quickly back to Alan Parker. His films won 19 BAFTAs. That's, a that's lot. quite a record. 10 Golden Globes and six Academy Awards. 
Wow. Oh, yeah, he directed Birdie. Yeah, Birdie's good. Nicolas Cage and Matthew Modine. Right. It's about a... Um, I think they're either... I think they're best friends. They go to Vietnam. One of them comes back very traumatised and thinks he's a kind of retreats into a fantasy where he's a bird. I feel like you've mentioned it's called before. Birdie. I may have, may have mentioned that before. Yeah, it's very good. So Alan Parker, one of the sort of giants of 70s... Uh, 70s, 80s and 90s British filmmaking. Um, yeah. If listener is not familiar with his work, go seek it out because he was quite something. Um, I would start with Bugsy Malone, I think. And then, wow. And then work your way through because it's such a... Bugsy Malone is such a singular piece of work. It's weird. It is strange, isn't it? But it, I think it's quite something though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I haven't watched it for ages. A musical with an all-child cast. And <laughs> yeah, they're doing all the singing. They're doing all the singing. Jodie Foster's in it. Wow. Very young Jodie Foster. Yeah, so start with Bugsy Malone and then work your way through. But go go check out his filmography on um, Wikipedia because he made some really great movies. Alan, anyway, shall we crack on? Let's crack on. As we've been waffling now for like 20 minutes or something. <laughs> so tell us about this film. Okay, so Proxima is not, doesn't star Scarlett Johansson as a flesh-eating robot. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not indeed? <laughs> um, so this is a 2019, although it came out this year, French drama film directed by Alice Winokur, who I wasn't, uh-huh. wasn't previously um, familiar with. Um and the film stars Eva Green, who was in uh, Casino Royale as Vesper Lind. Right. Um, so is it not sci-fi? No. This is very, very grounded. So it's, act- it's actually not about Proxima Centauri, so not that threw me off slightly. It is about space. <laughs> okay, okay. But it's not about Proxima Centauri. Okay, okay. Um, so it stars Eva Green as Sarah, a woman trying to balance her work as an astronaut, preparing for a year-long stint on the ISS... Okay, um, and that year-long stint is um, an investigative stint to prepare f- for the effects that will have the effects that a long time in space will have on people going to Mars. Okay, so it's, that's what the mission is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with her family life as a mother to an eight-year-old daughter, uh, Stella, um, it also stars Lars. Eidinger as Thomas, her ex-husband and Stella's father and uh, it stars Matt Dillon who I haven't seen in a movie for a long time American actor right. What's he have? Oh wow, I mean I think his his peak was probably like 80s and 90s um, I think listener would probably know him he was in There's Something About Mary right, 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 right. which I quite enjoyed, I don't think it's one of the Farrelly brothers best but it's pretty good yeah, I heard a lot about it at the time. I can't remember whether I actually watched it. It's all right. Okay. It has its moments. Okay. But those moments are few and far between, unfortunately. <laughs> I think the Faradays did better stuff than that. Better sort uh-huh. of gross-out broad comedy. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, Matt Dillon is Mike, her colleague, who is initially quite dismissive and disdainful of her abilities. Right. Um, doesn't think that women women should go into space, or at, uh-huh. le- or at least, but he gra- gradually comes round. Um, b- 
because um, I think he, he comes to realise that you know he's got a family as well, but his wife is looking after the, the kid, whereas Eva Green's character has to do all of the training, but also be a mother to her daughter. Okay. Um, whereas he just doesn't really do any kind of parental stuff whilst he's <laughs> training right. at all. Um, uh, also stars Sandra Huller as Wendy, a psychologist helping to guide Sarah and Stella through the complexity, complexities of the situation. Um, and it was shot in various real training facilities of the European Space Agency, most notably Star City, which is in um, Kazakhstan. All right, what's that? Um, so that's where they that's where they go to train, and uh-huh. uh, that's where um, ESA uh, launches go from there. Okay, using okay. Um, Kazakh, what what is now Kazakh uh, rockets, etc., but would have been back in the day Soviet. Okay. So Yuri Gagarin launched from there. They launched Sputnik right. from there. It's been there for a long time. Okay. Um, so she's training there. Um, and yeah, the first time that we, we see her, she's having a, a very emotional conversation with her daughter about, you know, her daughter doesn't, doesn't really understand what's going on. Um, yeah. Doesn't understand why mum has to go away for such a long time. And although... Uh, the the counsellor tries to give her good advice about how she should handle the relationship with her daughter, um, you know, based on past experience. But she thinks she knows better than that, and <laughs> she makes some terrible mistakes uh-huh. with the way that she communicates with her. It doesn't help that um, as parents they live separately, so uh-huh. her ex is doing the best he can um you know, because uh, you know, their daughter is, you know, finding her way in the world whilst her mum is in training and away for a long time. Yeah. Um, so although she can go and see her once she's in, once she's in Star City, she's basically in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was quite. I went to see this in the cinema. So this is mm-hmm. one of the, one of the first movies that got released um, when cinemas reopened. Right. And I didn't even realise they had till someone said they'd gone to see Tenet. Well, yeah, I went to see Tenet last week. Yeah, let's talk about that later. Yeah, okay. Um, what was it was a very strange experience because um, I was watching something that's been made relatively recently, right? And people in it were just engaging in normal behaviour. Yeah, and I was thinking, no, no, you can't do that you can't, anymore. Can't you can't do touch that. Touch people. There's too many people there. You're too close together. Yeah. But when they went into quarantine, that seemed more normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So when they go into oh, Star City... We're in trouble, aren't we? That's it. They're, they're in there. If they leave, then they can't go back. Okay. okay. Theoretically. <laughs> okay. Theoretically. Um, uh, so, yeah, she gets a hard time from Matt Dillon's character, who, um, when he introduces her at the, sort of like the press conference... Because he's the the commander of the mission, mm-hmm. he says, "I'm really glad that we've got a French um, a French astronaut because I heard they're really good cooks." 
to which there's a lot of laughter but you know she's incredibly unimpressed by this <laughs> um so what we see is her uh she is late for her first briefing mm-hmm. so do, they're doing a briefing about um uh doing ev uh extra yeah sort of going outside the iss to do maintenance work right 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 she arrives late for this meeting and the tutor just says no go you're late that's harsh. it very harsh yeah so you know that's sort of setting the tone for how it's going to be basically is yeah. you you turn up on time or early and if you're late then you get bumped to the, to the next meeting and you'd miss all of that learning uh-huh. Uh-huh. um so you know having to juggle uh you know co-parenting her daughter and learning yeah. is really tough um and when her daughter comes to visit her because she makes the what you know I say the wrong choices. She makes choices about what she, how she's going to engage with her, which turn out to be the wrong choices. Right. Just makes life more difficult for her. Um, and Matt Dillon's character starts to see this, and I kind of thought that maybe he was going to give her more of a hard time about it. But actually, it kind of wins him over. Right. right and right, right. he... Um, he makes excuses for her to the tutor. So there's a point when, when they're doing some zero gravity training and, uh, she, um, uh, so they're in a tank with space mm-hmm. suit, with, with suits on and she gets into trouble and the tutors ask him, you know, what's going on? Is she all right? And he makes an excuse for her and he says, mm-hmm. Oh, she's not eating properly. That's why she's tired. When in fact mm-hmm. she's tired because she's working twice as hard as everybody else is to mm-hmm. to do everything, um, and eventually um, he uh, he says to her, oh, "What does he say to her?" He says, "Do you know what? When I left the air force, I was a mess. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life." Then he pauses and he says um, uh, something like. Um, oh, you're going to miss gravity, something like that. You know, it's, it's sort of begrudgingly right. saying, you know, you've done okay, basically. Right. Um, so he he becomes our ally. Yeah. Eventually, which is nice because, you know, he does seem like a nice man. He just seems like an old-fashioned kind of slightly chauvinist uh-huh. bloke, really. Um. So once they're in Star City, she. They do all kinds of training, like centrifuge training. Right. And when she goes in to do that, he says to the to her and to the people who are listening, I don't think you can handle what the men can handle. Uh-huh. And she says, no, I, I can handle it. And she tells them to make sure you give me what you gave him. Uh-huh. And he kind of, um, again, kind of thinks, okay, no, it's, I think that she can do it kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um. So uh, there are some kind of archetypes and uh, it kind of follows a uh, it follows a kind of experience of someone who is working really hard to attain something. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff in it that rings true in terms of, you know, in in the real world, in our world, not in the not in the sort of um, made up world of this movie, women have to work twice as hard and show that they're working twice as hard 
to prove that they're working twice as hard to get the same kind of things that a man will get. Because mm-hmm. if you're a you know a white heterosexual man, you can just walk into a job and coast through it, maybe. But a woman mm-hmm. can't do that. That's that's mm-hmm. not how it works. So, and she comes across, she comes up against all of those things in the film. Right. Uh, but it's portrayed very well. It's portrayed very truthfully. Right. Um, and very, it's very powerful. So, you know, the relationship with her daughter is fraught and difficult and her ex is, can be difficult. And mm-hmm. all of this stuff is preying on her mind while she is training mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to go into space. Um, but where the film almost falls off the, you know, almost comes off the rails, but not quite, right. is that her daughter, uh, because um, uh, she was supposed to meet up with her daughter so that they could go and see the rocket. Right. Uh, but the train was delayed, mm-hmm. so they, they couldn't do it. Uh, so they leave Star City to go and look at the rocket, and then she sneaks back in and uh, decontaminates herself. Uh-huh. Which is kind of, I didn't like that. I think that I think that the film does very well to set up that this is in the real world, right. and then she does that and contravenes all the regulations. And you think, well, no, I just don't think that she would do that. I don't think the character would do that. So that is a right. slight problem, but it's not enough to derail it because it's such a powerful moment when she takes her daughter to go and see the rocket that mm-hmm. I kind of let it slide. It's sort of mm-hmm, a dramatic, mm-hmm. dramatic license, really. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, yeah, maybe it's kind of needed for the. I think it is drama. Yeah, because the the whole thing with the with the daughter and the and the ex missing, not missing the train, but the train being delayed or the flight being delayed, is such a a punch in the guts for her because mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm, been looking mm-hmm. forward to this for so long that she has to do that to kind of make up for it. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is uh, in mostly in French. So there's some mm-hmm. Russian, some German. Uh, a smatter. Of, well, obviously Matt Dillon speaks English exclusively. He doesn't speak any other languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly French with subtitles. Mm-hmm. So, um, but really, really enjoyed this. It's uh, also music by Ruchi Sakamoto, who's a Japanese composer. And sometime so actor it, as well. Is it? It's just about the training process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it goes into some detail about that as well. Okay, it's, okay. it's about the training so they, process. They never leave. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Right. No. No. Huh. no. So once once she starts the training, then it just follows her doing that mm-hmm. for the for the entirety of the film. You know, it's about her relationship with the people that she's working with, mm-hmm. uh, relationship with her daughter and her husband, and it. It's really interesting, you know. It, it it looks at the sacrifices that you have to make if you want to do that, mm-hmm. and they're quite considerable, really. A lot of um, women in space things recently. Yeah. Uh, so the other one, there's another one. Um, Hilary Swank is in a show on Netflix, which is a women in space thing. Yeah. So we we. Um my daughter decided she was going to pay for Netflix, so ah. we've been watching some things on Netflix. And we wow, watched... there's a whole world of entertainment available to you. <laughs> we watched one thing that was rubbish. That what, was a what was that? Woman in space. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, was it I Am Mother? 
No, I think it had. I think it was the actor who plays Starbuck in. Uh, oh yeah, Battle that's Star supposed Galactica. to be rubbish. Yes, it's yes. terrible. Yeah, and she's terrible in it. I always felt like she was kind of. a great deal of on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always felt like she was kind of getting away with it in Battlestar Galactica. I mean, I love her. She's brilliant in that. But, Just um, back on the BBC, that. Yes, I saw. I'm very, yeah. very excited to watch. Very it again. pleased. Yeah. Then we watched something else, which might be the thing you were talking about. Yeah, I think so it is, far, but I can't remember what really that's good. called. And she's going to Mars and she's leaving her daughter behind and yes. her husband is ill. Yeah, so I think there's there's a kind of dotted no, line good. from that to Proxima. Right, right, right. Um, although the, the plots are different, but you have the, the kind of, um, you know, the double standard that if a man leaves his family and goes into space, he's being heroic. Mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. a woman does it, she's being callous and uncaring because <laughs> yeah. of the way that we look at gender roles yeah absolutely and then and then, yeah exploring that makes for all these new plot lines that we haven't had before in space so yeah it's, it's exactly quite a fertile ground for yeah definitely new stuff yeah yeah uh well you that's awesome and you've got netflix now so you can watch russian doll um well I, we'll probably only have it for a month I'm, I'm trying to encourage the kids to think of it as a treat you know, Think of it as like pay that amount for a month, not like that. This this rules your life from now on. Okay, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of good stuff on there though. A lot of good. Yeah, stuff. that's the problem. <clears throat> too much too too much good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I highly recommend Proxima when it comes on. Um, well, it's probably out of cinemas now. You can probably still go and see it. <coughs> right, and it's it, it's because you you're caught up in the. The character's story that you absolutely yeah it's it's mm-hmm. it's a character driven piece yeah okay that happens to be about a woman who's going into space but it is very much about a mother daughter relationship right, right under right, extreme right. pressure right yeah yeah really enjoyed it you're a sucker for films that include parenting very much so yes yeah so yeah Parenting, uh, coming of and age pain. stories, uh, those are my bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, what did you learn about um, about life or about your life from this? Well, I think film? I, I think you know the thing that I just mentioned about gender roles is that mm-hmm. it throws into sharp relief right, that right, 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 if right. you're a man, you can go and do something risky and dangerous like going into space, and you're a hero. Right. But if you do it as a woman, then you're callous. And un- if you're a parent, then it's callous and uncaring of you to leave your family right. behind. The, I, it is, I, I learnt about so, that. So is the audience is the audience kind of encouraged to follow along with the Matt Dillon character of like coming around to yes. understanding their own. Yes, you feel some prejudice. empathy. Um, you start to feel that he starts to feel empathy for her, right? right and doesn't right. just see her as a French woman who can potentially cook which is obviously <laughs> nonsensical because you don't cook in the ISS right uh, it's all the food is pre-packaged but that's not the point is it it's the fact that he said that at the press conference yeah. in the first place um yeah you, you start to feel that he feels some empathy and you know when he starts to defend um you know make excuses for her you realize that actually he's on her side and he's starting right, right. to understand how difficult it is for her to do what she's doing. 
Right. How much us, more difficult it is for her. I was coming around to that yeah. as well. Yeah. As, as so, yeah. So I think if you're a man, maybe you see it through his eyes. Um, you obviously think that, you know, if you're a, if you're have any kind of um, uh, knowledge of how the world works these days, then you, you would th- maybe think that the comment about her being a good cook is not a good thing to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it isn't. Uh, but he delivers it very well. You know, he's mm-hmm. uh, Matt Dillon's a good actor. Uh, I don't know why he well, doesn't I think get much stuff these days. It's interesting that he's likable because that that kind of signals for me that that we're supposed to kind of come along with him in on the yeah. journey he takes. Yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. He's um he is likable. He's very he's very professional. Um, and then oh, there actually there's there's some interesting detail as well because they get fitted for a chair, mm-hmm. so their flight chair in the rocket is is molded to their body right um so they can't put on any weight after they've been fitted for it Mm -hmm. uh uh and then we see them uh in the rocket before liftoff Mm -hmm. and that's actually really exciting Mm -hmm. and scary as well because it's tiny like the space that they're in is absolutely tiny there's three of them in there but they're right. cramped, really, really cramped in the top right. of this rocket. And it all just feels incredibly scary uh-huh. because there's not very much between them and the outside world. No. Yeah. <laughs> and you're at the sharp end of things there. Yeah. It just feels terrifying, really, when they when you're all cramped in there. And he, he'd put on weight or something with that, with that, no, 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 that no. story was going. No, no, no. But it's just interesting when they get, they pour resin around them to right, to right. um uh, to make the mold for the for what do they call it the acceleration couch i think it's called something like that uh-huh. um it's just interesting that uh, that's how that works yeah so when they uh what we what i didn't see was and maybe they don't do this anymore but i thought that it was customary if you're taking off from star city is that you stop to uh, relieve yourself or one of the crew does because that's what Yuri Gagarin did. So now everybody does it. <laughs> Against the rocket? Uh, no, before the rocket. So apparently he said, oh, I need a wee before we, um, before right. I, before we take off. Uh, <laughs> so we had, they had to let him out to go and do that. And apparently that is now a thing. <laughs> but that wasn't in the film. Oh, I was expecting cool. that to happen, but it didn't. Oh. Maybe so does that- it break off just as they take off or something? Like, do you see any yes. of the... Uh, right. So you see a takeoff, but I, I presume obviously they're not in there because they're actors. <laughs> you see a takeoff, but the rocket's tiny. Mm. You know, if you compare it, obviously, you know the the um, the Apollo rockets were massive because they had to accelerate a projectile to the moon very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these ones that go up to the ISS are just really small because they right. don't have to go into orbit; they just have to go up into free fall and then come back um of course gravity was uh, another woman in space that's a great film and arrival yeah that's a great film yeah lots of women in space speaking of arrival denny villeneuve dune is Mm -hmm. coming out um this uh winter in fact right yeah which i'm very excited about hard to be excited about dune well, I think given how bad the David Lynch one was, that's a fair comment. But 
I'm right. quite, I'm very excited for this iteration. People absolutely love the books, and I didn't really get it. So maybe a film will help me get it. So a I good enjoyed film, the book. So. I enjoyed. I read the first one, and I really enjoyed it. Right, I thought it was very readable and it's very striking. Exciting, I it. yeah, very exciting. Long, right? Yeah, but I liked it. Um, and in Villeneuve, we trust. Right. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that, that's Proxima. Cool. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a rating of eighty-one percent. And it says uh, it sometimes struggled to, struggles to communicate its themes. I don't think it did. Uh, <laughs> but worthy intentions and a powerful central performance from Eva Green more than compensate. I don't think it does struggle to communicate themes. I think they're very clear. They, okay. At least they were to me. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, it's true. Her performance is pretty strong. Right. It's very strong. In fact, everybody's, everybody's very good in it. Right. Yeah, cool. it's certainly showing a story I've never seen before, which is you know the long preparation for going into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I imagine there's a lot to explore there. Um, in fact, there's a there's a moment very late on in the film, I think possibly the day before they're due to lift off, and she's pouring through textbooks and one of the other, the Russian member of the crew comes up to her and, and closes the book and says, you don't need to do this. You know everything. <laughs> Just relax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the time to be learning now. Which is a nice moment. I think. Yeah, there we go. Mm. So you went to see Tenet. Now, so I spoke to I someone did. today who, who went to see Tenet at the cinema. They went with their friend because their friend said, I need to go back to the cinema to watch it again. Ah, okay. Because I don't know whether I, I don't know what I think of it. So then they went to see it, this my friend. Yes. And they said, oh, it's fine. Like clever, but no heart. So what do you say? Okay, that's interesting. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think, I think it's stunning, stunning looking right. film. Right, yeah, um, they did. They also did say lots of things like that. Yeah, go on. Great soundtrack. I think mm-hmm. possibly the best different composer this time out. So it's not Hans Zimmer, it's somebody different. Because um, he's a big Nolan collaborator, uh, mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer. Um, I could see why they'd say it was cold. I think that, that's a thing that is leveled at Christopher Nolan quite a lot, actually. Is legitimately. Cold. Yeah, legitimately. But I don't mind that. Right, right. And I, right, I don't right. really think that you could go along to it and say, yeah, it's okay, it's a bit cold. Well, you know it's going to be like that. So right. Now, you said Interstellar had more of a heart. Yes, it does. And I can't stand Interstellar. I no, thought I Inception know. had characters that I, I that I, I cared about. Yes. And Interstellar, I felt, was really cold, which now, is interesting. Here's the thing. Uh, I was listening to um, Mark Kermode and Jack Howard talking about Christopher Nolan's films Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was reminded of something that I'd completely forgotten about, and that is that the the screenplay for Interstellar was written for Steven Spielberg originally, right? But he he couldn't make it. That explains the stupid pushing books through space time. It in, explains the father daughter relationship as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That. I was the, thinking about the stupid the family, the but stupid also space. but also that thing that you were just talking about. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it was originally written for him, 
So, mm-hmm. so Jack Howard described it as a Frankenstein monster of a film. Right. So it's made up right. of like spare parts, written for Spielberg, right. directed by Nolan. Well, rewritten and then directed by Nolan. Right. Right. But it contains elements that maybe Christopher Nolan wouldn't have included by choice. Right. Anyway, Tenet. Mm-hmm. Really liked it. It's very stylish. It's right. Twisty, twisty, turny, timey, wimey. In all, in all the best ways. Cool. So um, it involves time travel. It does. I know nothing about it, by the way. Okay. Maybe you shouldn't spoil it for me. But well, I think we'll do a. I want to go and see it again because. Right. I am sure that I like it, but I want to see it again because it was so good. Okay. okay. I want to immerse myself in it again. So it is, yeah, exciting action. Right. There's a couple of action set pieces that are just jaw-droppingly brilliant. Yeah. In fact, they all good. are, actually. So there's right. one in which uh, a fight takes place in which someone's moving forward in time and the other person is moving backward in time. Wow. But we don't figure that out until later on in the film. Wow. And that's just, I just don't know how they shot that. Wow. I do, well, not, under, cool. do not understand how that works. So there's some very, <laughs> very cool stuff. Oh, that sounds good. Maybe I should go see this. I would say go and see it. It's, um, it's really good. But it cool. has, I mean, some people who think maybe are intimidated by, by the film have said things like, well, it's too clever for its own good and it takes itself too right. seriously. Right. Which well, I think is just He's not afraid like, of doing films well, no, that are clever. No, I mean, if you've seen Inception, then you'll know that's a clever film that does take its subject matter seriously. But it doesn't spoil no. anything by being clever. It just no, enhances indeed. it for me. So Tenet is definitely along the lines of Inception. Okay. Um, certainly, there was speculation that it was going to be a sequel to Inception, which it isn't. Right, right. But it well, is, that sounds like, given that that's the film by him that I would really yeah. say I like, Yeah, sounds good for me. It is along those lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so Kenneth Branagh plays a very unpleasant Russian gangster, Anglo-Russian gangster. Right. Uh, I saw Kenneth Branagh being Poirot. Ah, he's very good as Poirot. He's so good. I, I yeah. really have a problem with Kenneth Branagh. And, and then when I actually watch him do something like that, and I'm trying to not like him. Mm-hmm. I can't help. You can't. He's be just drawn along by in that. It. It's a brilliant film. That. Yeah, he's just really good. Um, I also enjoyed him in Volander on the BBC. Yeah, yeah, he's great in that. He yeah. was good in that. Um, yeah, so Kenneth Branagh's in it. Robert Pattinson, a very small role for Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lead is. I um, thought Michael Caine had retired and was never coming back. Well. Guess he comes back for one more for Christopher Nolan, right? Um, but the the lead is John David Washington from Black Klansman. Ah, okay. And he's just like he's got film I star that. written on his right. head, kind of thing. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love Black Klansman. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I want to watch that again. So yes, Tenet. It's good. Cool, 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 cool. It's what good. else have you been watching? Uh, so yeah, uh, I think I said earlier on we watched Dangerous Liaisons last night. A yeah. couple of weeks ago we watched Misery. Right, 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 right. Uh, which we enjoyed a great deal. Um, haven't yeah, I haven't really watched that much at home though. We've, we've been on TV. Mm-hmm. We've been watching a show called Mrs. America. Ah, where did I see that advertised? It's very, yeah. very good. Very, very good. 
It's kind of mad many in terms of its period detail and how absolutely spot on everything is. Yeah, that's that'll be why I dismissed it. Right, right. Actually, we we rewatched Baby Driver the other night. Right. Ah, do you enjoy it? Very much. Uh, yeah, love the choreography and the car driving is just immense in that film. We've been watching a few series. We've been watching Community. Love Community. Which is on, uh, I think it's on Channel Four. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, um, and it's it's very light but surprisingly engaging. It's quite snappy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of yeah. It feels old fashioned, but it it kind of works. Yeah. Um, we've also been watching Northern Exposure. Love Northern Exposure. So, like, it's that is the thing from my youth where I was the only person I knew who watched Northern Exposure and I just loved it so much. Actually, there was so, me and there was some of my peer group watched right, 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 right. Northern Exposure and then talked about it the next day. Yeah, it's was it, fantastic. Was it the same people who listened to the Pixies? No, actually. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No. Um, yeah, so uh, w- watching that again, and I didn't really watch the early series, so I, we, we watched series one, and ah, oh, it's so good. But it's, it's, so isn't good. it great in that all the great shows, the characters are perfectly defined in the first episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, so many you you watch the first episode, and you think, well, that's all I remember from the entire yeah, show. Exactly. Yeah. He's grumpy yeah. and he stays grumpy for the entire run <laughs> until he goes native. Yes. But it kind of it kind of jumps the shark in about series. I don't know what's that seven or something. When he goes native and he has a relationship with the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie. It's a bit. Then it becomes like um, moon. But I like the. I like their relationship. But anyway, no, it's um, sweet. It's a sweet relationship. We've also been watching um, a show whose name is not a swear word. But if I said it on the podcast, you'd think I was swearing. Ooh. It's something's creek. Oh, I've heard but that's it's pretty not, good. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara yeah. are in that. Yeah, it, it's not spelled like the swear word, but yeah. Um, uh, it's like the name of a town. Uh, yes. And it's about a family who are very rich and then they they get their their business manager runs off with all the money and they end up stuck in this small town. So they're up something creek. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they... Um, so they're, they're all utterly obnoxious and yet somehow you kind of gradually warm to them. Right. And... Uh, they are beholden to people who are, are some of them sometimes nice and sometimes utterly obnoxious themselves. But the power thing of how, you know, I, people used to listen to me and now I have to, like, try and be nice to you even though I hate you. Like, there, there's so many. It's a sitcom in a really old-fashioned sense. All these situations yeah. happen, um, which are really painful, agonizing situations. Excellent. But what's interesting about it is very funny, but what's interesting about it is... Uh, I keep noticing it's avoided a cliche. So there's all these situations. For example, like a, a good example is he gets given directions to where they to the this like um, wood log cabin that they're going to go stay in, and you you just know the next shot is going to be cut to them in the car and they're lost and it's all like yeah, uh, and they just that's not what happens. Something else happens instead. Yeah. You know, and at any time there could have been a cliche uh, happening. Actually, it does something different. That's so that's noticeable and interesting. I've heard it's very good. It's really funny. And it, it, the way you warm to these characters who are so obnoxious is is clever and kind of good for your soul as well. Like mm. It's good for you to like people who are horrible. Yeah. Because it helps you like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. I was just trying to think uh, 
Oh, something that's utterly frivolous entertainment is um, Harry mm-hmm. Hill is back on back oh, on the I BBC. I haven't watched it. It's really good. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. I he's such that. an engaging presence. I love Harry Hill. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's Harry Hill's world of TV. So in each episode, he takes a genre of television and deconstructs it. Right. Oh wow! In a that very funny just that kind of thing, a funny kind of way, and um, some of them are just laugh out loud funny. Because I I loved um, Charlie Brooker's screen wipe yep. when he did the proper screen wipes, which I imagine is very different, but it, in a way it's the same thing. It's kind of like that, yeah. So he he deconstructs a. So the first episode I think is about the medical drama. <laughs> um, so he goes. He he starts off in you know the beginning of television and then moves through to the present day through all the different right. shows and looks at how they've changed, but he does it in a very funny way. Right, 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 um, right. Yeah, that's that's definitely worth a look. That's a bit of a treat, oh, cool. that, because uh, yeah. I love Harry Hill. Another yeah, thing is good great. is um, uh, was it White House and Mortimer gone fishing or Mortimer oh, White House gone fishing? We accidentally caught some of that, and <laughs> it was so, so compelling. Yeah, it really. Is, and I was yeah. like, we cannot start watching a program where they just sit and fish, but yeah, it's so it was so entertaining. Yeah, that's very good. So it's a, there's a lot of good entertainment around at the moment. Yeah. Oh, I finally yeah. caught up with Staged that you reckon, recommended to me. Right, right, right. Did you enjoy it? Really enjoyed it. I thought it was oh, so good. much fun. Yeah. 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 Very funny. sweary and rude and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very realistic as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly That's another if, one where you like obnoxious people, isn't it? Yeah, because they're quite obnoxious to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and they give each other quite a hard time quite a lot of the time yeah but you yeah. still like them yeah well, obviously yeah um <laughs> well what else Mrs. America any plugging? Uh, no no plugging no uh-huh. what about you? I, I've got some plugging so I've been working on uh well, I'm, it's a website where you can play games. So there's there's various uh, websites that um, are aimed at relatively younger kids, like kizzy.com, uh, K-I-Z-I, I think it is, um, with, which just has loads of little games on it. So I thought, right, well, what we need is like some open source games that are like this so that mm-hmm. um, it's not like, a, like advertising aimed at our children, but it's like done for genuinely for fun. So I've written a few um little games that run in a web page so i've stuck them all together on a, a site called small pixel s-m-o-l-p-x-l oh nice dot artificial worlds dot net <laughs> kids tv um, with a z so so <laughs> on the on the one hand it's just a, a website with some games on and some of them are only they're very silly little games you know they're not um they're not going to keep you occupied for a long time, although eventually when I've developed this site a lot, maybe they will. Um, but what's more exciting to me is that I'm going to make videos about how I wrote the games, yeah. and I've written a little library of code that makes it quite easy to write a web-based game, especially like a pixelated one, like a retro-style mm-hmm. um, thing, like I used to write when I was a kid. So what I want to do is make it as easy as it was for me on a very simple platform where you, you knew how many pixels you had. And you could just draw things on the screen. Uh, that I want to kind of recreate that that kind of simple situation, so that it's relatively easy to write a simple game like a snake game or something like that. So I'm going to record videos of me writing some of those very simple games using this code that I've written, 
in JavaScript. Um, and then hopefully it'll be like a useful educational resource as well as a website you can go to to play some games. Excellent. That sounds Small really pixel good. Smallpixel.artificialworlds.net. Nice. S-M-O-L-P-X-L. So have you made Rabbit Escape available there, or is that too heavy? No, I might. Pixel? I might make a version of Rabbit Escape that, that runs in the web that um, uses this thing, but right, know, I haven't right. done that yet. Okay. At the moment, it's got a snake game on it. It's got a, sp- a game I've called Spring, which is like a skill skill puzzle game, which was inspired by my continuing love of the Trials motorbike games. Ah, Trials Rising. I'm still utterly obsessed with Trials Rising. I got a gold medal in a track I've never got a gold medal in last night. I'm still absolutely <laughs> loving it. Um, but yeah, so Spring is my like game inspired by that. But there's only one button that you press. Where right. you, you kind of press a button to squash your spring, and then when you let it go, it kind of springs up and has right. to jump onto platforms. Spring. I like the word spring. Right, right, right. Spring. Well, yeah, then you'll like you'll like this game a lot. Excellent. What else is there? There's a there's a tunnel game where you have to like. Um, not hit the walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a game that's a bit like Frogger, but not as good. I want to make the snake. best one actually. There is that. There is a snake game, not Mopey Snake actually, because that <laughs> Mopey Snake is a is written in Python and doesn't work on. The oh, web. okay. Yeah. Um, there's a game. Did you ever play Heli when you were a kid, Mister Heli? Was, yeah, there was a version for that on um, Spectrum, I think. Heli. Right. So yeah. you're a little helicopter, and you have to destroy all the buildings before you crash into them. That's right. Yeah. Because you're losing height. Yeah. yeah. So there's a very, very pixelated, simple version of that on there. Cool. Uh, that, that sounds really good. Else? There's a few games. There's like seven games on there. Noise. Oh, and there's also one uh, inspired by uh, you know the game of life where the, where you have little black and white squares and they they appear and disappear based on rules, and then it makes kind of. No, I've heard. Oh, right, of, I've heard of the okay. game of life, but. So Game of Life is a board game, it's not that. But they, they, Conway's, Conway's Game of Life, it's called. It's basically okay. some mathematical rules that when you apply them to this grid of squares, it makes shapes that look like look lifelike, even though they're just mathematical rules. Oh, okay. So I've made a little version of that, but you can click around and make, make stuff appear and like make things crash into things and see what patterns emerge. Right. And that makes it surprisingly engaging. So that's Excellent. Too. And I'll be adding more games. As I, what I'm planning to do is make little videos and make make a little game during that video and then add it onto the site. So there'll be hopefully an, a gradually increasing collection of games on smallpixel.artificialworlds.net. A gradually increasing collection of games. Yeah. So all these games are open source. You can find the code and there hopefully will be videos showing you how I made them. I've made uh, a chat, or I haven't made, you know, I've set up a chat server so that you can come in and like request features. I've even set up a, a donate button so people can donate. Hey. I've like gone crazy. And I've set up statistics so it counts who's playing what game, or not who's playing. It doesn't, it doesn't collect any information about you, but it counts how many people are playing different right. games. So you can see which one's the most popular. So I can see a graph of which games are most popular. Then you At can the moment, deep six the ones that aren't. <laughs> at the moment none of the games are in any way popular no one has played any of them except me that's not true a couple of my work colleagues played the spring game and actually quite enjoyed it spring so you should call it spring i said why didn't i call it spring you can rename it spring it's too late why it's not too late i'm too lazy i'm oh, too lazy okay. to change it okay too lazy not too late <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah fair dues. Too lazy. you're a busy man yeah, have a go at spring. You'll find it uh, frustrating. Spring. <laughs> if I find it frustrating, I won't play it. Yeah. There's got to be a hook That for is me. what will happen. There's got to be You'll a hook. You'll find it frustrating. 
<laughs> and then you won't play it. <laughs> That's it, really. Some yeah. people played it and they said, I have no idea what makes me, sometimes I jump high, sometimes I jump low, and I don't know why. And then other people have gone, I played this for like two hours and I finally got past level 10. <laughs> it's like, yep, okay, I can see who this is for. It's cray cray. <laughs> There's only 10 levels, but if you get past level 10, that is impressive. Okay. Sproing. <laughs> smallpixel.artificialworlds.net get involved write a game write a game and I'll put it on the site there we go listener you have there's you a have very been... low quality bar so you can write a rubbish game and it'll still go on there okay cool even I could do it <laughs> yeah you totally could although I have to use javascript which I don't know yeah. so yeah. I'm not going to be I'll writing a game I'll, I'll make a little tutorial just on the basics of how you'd make a really simple game nice I like the nice. of it. is that it that's it. Plugging that was over? Plugging. Sorry, plugging that was over. just too much, too much plugging. Uh, okay, so uh, we should probably say that this is going to be, I think, pod 98. This right. One. So we're right. two away from 100, right. which is very exciting. It is exciting. Um, and we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're collecting um, possible things to do on the 100th episode, which will definitely be involved talking about our favourite scenes. Yes. Some of our favourite scenes from some films. Yes, I have a list. Possibly, possibly <laughs> with some other people. Yes, if, on the podcast. if we can get the stars to align. Uh, possibly. And stand on our heads, then, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> we're going to get some other people to join us. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Uh, we don't, We got no reply from Arnie. We did try and get. Uh, yeah, I tweeted Arnie and said how much we love him and uh, could he come and join us, and he did not reply to me. So he will not be back. <laughs> Unbelievable. In fact, he should say, hey, good Robert Andes, you know how I said I'd come on your podcast. <laughs> He's here. I, I, I can hear him. <laughs> yeah, I remember him saying that as well. Yeah, I remember that. Or was it me? I'm not sure. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to come on. <laughs> he's, he's still offended. Where's that rotten, rotten impressions of me? He's worried that uh, <laughs> that you're better at being him than he is. <laughs> I think that's very unlikely. <laughs> I am better than, than you at being you. <laughs> hey, good buddy. Guess what? I am not me. I am you. <laughs> oh... Man, why did we have a mid-season break? We missed out on all this. I know. No, not mid-season. Between inter-season, isn't it? Uh, inter-season, correct. Inter-season break. So we're now well past the number of seasons that most TV shows have. Yeah. So most TV shows run for <clears throat> a maximum of seven seasons. I think of us as The Walking Dead, though. We just keep going and going. Yeah. They've announced their last season. Yeah, of the Rick Grimes version, they have... They've announced that the last season of The Walking Dead, but they're going to do some spins off. Yeah, so I think there's a movie coming with Andrew Lincoln. Oh, really? I'm excited about a movie. Yeah. And there's a new spin-off. Yeah, there's going to be a spin-off with, um, oh, I've forgotten the character names and the actor names. But two of the coolest characters in the series. Yes. Daryl. Oh, Daryl's got a spin-off, has he? Yeah. Daryl and, and Carol. Daryl and Carol, yeah, yeah. Why haven't they got together? That's that's the thing. It's been like well, they kind of did a bit. Didn't did they? Did well, they no, really? they didn't quite. They didn't quite actually. Yeah. Then she went full metal jacket in the prison. 
Oh, she's so amazing. And he kind of backed away. He's like, okay. <laughs> it's a bit crazy for me. <clears throat> uh, she's great. Like, Daryl's a great character, but in a way, you, you could predict him. Like, you know, he's a tough guy. Yeah. Who, who softens up and becomes wiser. But she, she is, her character arc is awesome. It's pretty amazing, is, isn't it? This is what you get from long-running series where they kind of run out of the original character and they do something new with it and then yeah. really interesting things happen. Yeah, because she starts off as, you know, just a regular person. She's basically a victim yeah. at the beginning. A victim of domestic abuse. Yeah. And then becomes this, like, weapon-wielding, quite-driven person. Yeah, and also she, she really skirts into into very dark places yeah. and becomes Quite basically shady. a baddie. Yeah, yeah. And, and then comes back from it, which is, again, what happens in series is if they like go on for long enough. It's like a soap, isn't it? You, characters go through all these phases. I've definitely thought it's been soapy since, like, season three. Yeah. yeah which is fine. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Oh, I love Walking Dead but still. I'm, I'm definitely still out it. of date. I, um, I need oh, to yeah, catch I'm up. behind. I'm behind. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. I think that might be it. Anyway, We've on the, on the on bombshell that we are the walking dead. But it's good to be back. It is. It's good to be back. And uh, only two to go to 100. Yeah, 100. and if, uh, Arnie, if you're listening, we we haven't gone off the idea. You, we're absolutely still fine for you to come on if, you, if you're free. Yeah, if you want to, um, you know, denigrate yourself to come on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We'd love that. That's that's true of almost anyone else as well. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening, listener, that we'd probably like you to be on, to be or honest. maybe you could so. send us a message saying how happy it is that... Congratulations. Because that would save me from doing it myself, in your voice. Because <laughs> frankly... I yeah, send us a voice message. Send us a voice message saying um, <laughs> something along the lines of... Um, we've had to tolerate you for a hundred episodes. Could you please, <laughs> stop. please stop? Yeah, please stop now. That would be if if more than one person sent a voicemail to me saying that, I would be so overjoyed. Please, would you do that, listener? What? Stop doing Arnie impressions? No, just stop the whole the whole thing. Like we've had to tolerate this for a hundred episodes. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's <laughs> enough. Yeah. So please do that. Okay. Please don't do that. We enjoy this. Yeah, no, but I would like people to 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 send me audio saying that. I wouldn't <laughs> like people to mean that. No. If they meant it, I'd be it's really. It's a bit sad. of fun. Yeah. Try not to sound like you mean it. Yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> that's my lifelong. Um, that's 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 a thing that I live by. What? Try not to sound like be- you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I saw. Oh, I, oh, I thought sorry. we'd finished. No, we hadn't. No, I've just, got, I've just got a little coda. In front of um, Tenet, they showed a trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Right. Which I chuckled through. Right. Yeah. It's, oh, been, getting, it's been getting very good previews. Fantastic. It's directed so by the a... guy that made Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favourite movies. Right. That's supposed to be good, yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen it. So Keanu sort of topping and tailing the podcast. Yes, yes, indeed. No way. <laughs> what is that? The look that they do when they do this? The arms. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a podcast. The yeah. listener can't see. Yeah, listener can't see. Yeah, yeah you're missing a treat, listener. Missing <laughs> a treat. Every rose has a thorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
Yeah, great film. Yeah. Especially okay. the sequel. That is it now. That is it. Okay. Let's not start talking about the <laughs> Cool. Cheers. See you next time. Bye.